Welcome to the Flourish Heights podcast, made for women by women. I'm your host, Valerie Adjamine, women's health dietitian and the founder of Flourish Heights. To be empowered in health starts with a true connection with your body. Together, we are breaking through topics surrounding periods, women's nutrition, body awareness, self-care, and much more. Let's flourish and be the best version of ourselves. Libido is something that comes up quite a lot in the women's health and nutrition world, although I don't do much with that, but I do get questions around whether food has got anything to do with it. I mean, when it comes to libido or your sex drive, it's a very tricky thing to measure, in my opinion, because there's just a lot of factors involved, including your mental health and just your relationship status, which all comes together to determine whether you're in the mood or not. So do certain foods have aphrodisiac powers, I guess I'll say, Um, foods that can bring a little heat between the sheets? Hmm. What do you think? Or maybe you have your own experiences to share. I don't know. But to help us understand whether or not food has much to do with libido, I invited my girl, Corey, to break it down for us. Corey is a registered dietitian nutritionist and women's health expert. She is the founder of The Women's Dietitian, a private practice and digital platform for women seeking nutrition support for hormone balance, fertility, digestion, and weight management. She specializes in conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, Hashimoto's, and nutrition therapy for infertility and assisted reproductive technology. So as you can tell, she's got a lot going on, and I know you're really going to love today's episode. So let's welcome Corey to the show. Hey, Corey. Hey. Hi. I'm so excited for today. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Welcome. Welcome to the Flourish Heights podcast. This is our first time chatting outside of the gram and you (laughs) are popping like literally everything that you do and you make it so easy. You do all the things. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, how on earth does she keep up with everything? And I know you raised your, your little cute girl too. So Oh my gosh, such an inspiration. Um, yeah, oh, thank so, you. Y'all, Corey is an inspiration. I mean, like I said, we've been, you know, we've been connected on the gram um for a little while now. She's been a wonderful mm-hmm. supporter of the Flourish Heights community, which I'm so grateful for. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna turn it over to her because I want y'all to hear, you know, what she's all about, uh, what she does. So Corey, let us know, you know, the listeners, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you so much. I So I'm a dietitian, but I focus um, exclusively in women's health. So all about hormone balance, fertility, digestion. I focus a lot about, uh, a lot about, a lot on PCOS, which is a um, very common condition, very complicated one. So I, I love working in this field. I love meeting other women and it's just been such an incredible journey. And I'm, I'm happy to be here today to share a little bit about what I uh, what I know and teach in my practice. Yes. And she said PCOS. So for those listening, PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And she mm. is all specialized in there. I love all the programs and all the, the content and information that she puts out to the world. Clearly, y'all, yeah. Corey is a rock star women's health dietitian. And, you <laughs> know, gosh, we're both blushing <laughs> over here. I'm, I'm getting, we're talking about the libido. I'm getting warm up in here. You're hilarious. Woo. So we're both women's health dietitians. And if I were to compare Corey and I, I would say Corey is more of like a free spirited women's health dietitian, while I'm more like 
super chill, empowering women's health dietitian. That, that's kind of like where I feel like we were different in some ways, but we're still like all about, you know, empowering the people. And I love it. So anyway, she's just about cutting out the BS. She keeps it sassy. She keeps it fun. I mean, you're constantly, <laughs> Corey, you're talking about, you know, stuff women often shy away from, which is pretty much why I started the the podcast. And um, one of the things, <laughs> one of the things I see you talk about quite a lot is sex. Okay. It's such a fun space to be able to do that in, you know, and to be yeah. professional and also get to talk about some of those taboo subjects. It's so necessary. It really is. So when it comes to sex and just sex, libido, all the good stuff we're going to get right into. Well, sexual intimacy, I can't talk today, y'all. Sexual <laughs> intimacy is an essential part of human life, right? Yes, we know it's natural. It's just mm -hmm. what we do, right? Um, but y'all, like sex and romance does not always come easy, especially, you know, um, especially when you have like underlying health issues and all the things that Corey's going to be sharing a little bit more about today. I mean, Earlier this week, I was in a nutrition counseling session with a woman. She was like in her mid fifties, of course, around that time. I mean, depending every woman's different, but you know, around that time you're kind of like in that menopause soul phase. And anyway, so we were chatting and it was my first time meeting with her and she's like, Valerie, this may be really embarrassing to share and something that I, you probably don't even want to hear, but I have not had sex with my husband in two years. So first of all, I was like quickly trying to figure out like what to say, because here we are, right. we're talking about right. nutrition <laughs> and I was ah, over here. Ah, welcome to women's health. <laughs> I know, literally. So we were, um, we were talking about nutrition. I was over here, like collecting data on like, you know, typical food she consumes like on a normal basis. And it completely caught me off guard. I mean, like, thankfully, you know, we're just like laughing. I was like screaming over here. She was like, she made it comfortable for me to just you know, we were laughing. So it was all good. But I was good. like, damn, good, good. I was like, damn, mm -hmm. like, I really felt for her. And like, yeah, you yeah. know, just, mm -hmm. you know, she was really that just knowing that she's been really affected by this. I mean, two years, I, I'm just like, how? So anyways, she continues to, you know, go on and tell me that she hasn't had sex in a while, because she experiences like, vaginal dryness and she's been mm -hmm. seeing a specialist for help. And it's been like, really, like, super painful. And I was like, this is crazy. And it just made me realize like, yeah, you know, a lot of women go through this, like on the low. I mean, she was, right. old, you know, she was comfortable enough with me just after meeting me for like probably 20 minutes being that yeah. open with me. I was like, okay, all right, <laughs> let's go. Levels, right. Um, so yeah, people are really struggling out here. Um, you know, their sex drive is struggling. I mean, for so many reasons, whether it's health related, whether it's stress, um, you know, relationships, yep type of things, you know, body image challenges. I mean, the list goes on and it can get really, really, really complicated. So yes, Corey, agreed. you talk a lot. Agreed. Yeah. You talk a lot about this on your women's health page. I'm sure you see this in practice a lot since you work with women, um, you know, with PCOS yeah. and other hormone related issues. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and so you share tips, whether it's, um, like nutrition or lifestyle related, et cetera. And so I was like, yes, this is a hot topic. Like I want to dive into a little bit more with you. And I first want to know, or, you know, we hear libido, but like, mm -hmm. what is it? What is libido? Well, let's get really scientific. Okay. So <laughs> libido refers to your sex drive, AKA how much you want to get it on to put it, get it, it on. really, get it, <laughs> yeah. Cue the Marvin Gaye. Um, so there are so many reasons 
And there's so many contributing factors to libido, right? That's what really, I think, convolutes mm-hmm. this whole topic because like you, I will have women in my practice who come right out and talk about their, you know, their, their struggles with their sex drive. And they're, they're, they're coming to me for, for the solution. And it's not a pill. It's not one hormone that's involved. It's multifactorial. So we've got these different mm. hormones. We all have heard about estrogen and many of us have heard about the connection between estrogen and vaginal dryness, which does happen um, more common as we age. So that can definitely play a role. Higher levels of estrogen promote vaginal lubrication and increase your sex drive. So there's that testosterone. We get a little spike of testosterone right around ovulation. So that plays a role. So if you've got low levels of um, androgens, which are male sex hormones, that can contribute progesterone, which makes sense, right? Because we only produce progesterone after ovulation. It's another Mm -hmm. hormone. So after we ovulate from a biological standpoint, there's no reason to have sex because from from a biological standpoint only, there's no chance of pregnancy. So our, our libido drops naturally before our period comes, many of us feel like our sex drive is just like, like just MIA. Over it. So exactly. Like, don't touch me. I'm only going <laughs> to cuddle up with Ben and Jerry tonight. That's it. So there's all these hormones that play, you know, these roles. But then, you know, outside of that, um, there's our relationship, right? There's our confidence, how we feel in our own skin. And it's, right. it's fascinating because as I, as I have, you know, in my, in my years of practice, when women, when I start working with them and they have libido issues, everything's connected. It's all, it's all kind of comes together oh, yeah. in package. So once we work on hormone balance, getting their estrogen levels nice and balanced or testosterone, whatever it is we're working on, once we work on their energy levels, no one wants to have like marathon sex if they're like can't even like keep their eyelids open right (laughs) energy levels fatigue that can play a role um if they're working on weight management and you know they achieve some of their goals they and they then suddenly their confidence is you know boosted that can play a big role too if we're working on digestion who wants to jump into lingerie and have sex when they feel like they swallowed a basketball like bloat right right? so digestion and gut health how is that playing a role how much are they sleeping? Again, those energy level issues. So it's amazing because I'll start with a client. We move through our work together and we haven't even exactly addressed libido, like mm-hmm. directly head on. Yeah. But at the end of our work together, they're like, Corey, oh my gosh, I cannot believe it. But my libido is back. My husband, you know, he's so excited. We're, all, we're, we're both so excited. And it's kind of like a byproduct of working on some of these other contributing factors. Obviously, I don't go into, you know, relationship stuff really um, there, but that can play a role too. If your, if your relationship is not in, you know, the best place possible, or you're holding on to resentment, you know, women tend to internalize that and it does play out in our libido. So it affects that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's something that I don't always need to treat directly. It can be a byproduct of working on all these kind of seemingly disparate, but actually really connected pieces of our health. So I hope that's helpful from a standpoint. Can I, you know, what, what drives libido? What goes into it? Yeah. Multifactorial, as you said, I mean, um, definitely yeah. hormones play such a huge role. Um, and mm-hmm. so many things impact, you know, why our sex drive is the way that it is. Um, I heard mm-hmm. you say, you mentioned stress and I heard you also mention like, um, yes. you know, like confidence, 
challenges with your body. So whether mm-hmm. you, you, know, you have like a negative body image, um, you also mentioned like, you know, high testosterone or high or what low testosterone levels that we said, or well, high. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so many things that impact that. And so I know like women of today, we're persuaded to embrace our femininity, femininity, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to kind of like, you know, feel good about, you know, ourselves, but it can be super challenging or just a struggle if you're dealing with symptoms of hormonal issues. And you, you deal with, with a lot of women who, um, who have PCOS. And yeah. so, um, I guess what do hormones, you mentioned this a little bit, but you also went yeah. into hormone in or hormone balance, but I guess like, mm-hmm. can you get into more of like what hormones have to do with someone's libido? Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about kind of three main ones. So estrogen, well, we've got High, high levels of estrogen, as I mentioned, promote vaginal lubrication, which prevents dryness like your client uh, was experiencing, and they can increase our sex drive. So um, levels of estradiol, which is one of the, it's basically our primary estrogen, has the most biological activity in the body, increase around 800% during ovulation time. So we get this really big spike and that's why we kind of tend to feel sexier. Like we want to initiate sex more right around ovulation. So, and this is why women who are kind of inching closer to menopause and, you know, even perimenopause report a drop in sex drive. So their estrogen levels are declining and that can happen. Lower estrogen levels can happen in women who aren't in that phase, right? We can, mm-hmm. we see that with things like hypothalamic amenorrhea, um, you know, where women aren't getting a period because their bodies are really stressed and we're under fueling them or there's other reasons too, but estrogen really plays a big role in libido. So testosterone, all women, we, so we produce testosterone just in the same way that men produce estrogen. We just have them in smaller amounts. So there are some studies that have demonstrated high levels of testosterone can cause a spike in arousal and libido. And that happens around ovulation time. So when we have lower levels of testosterone, it can cause libido issues potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get asked about, you know, women with PCOS who have higher levels of androgens, or oh, does that mean that they have this crazy high sex drive? Well, no, because their hormones, and I will say our, because I, I have PCOS too, <laughs> our hormones are kind of, they can kind of be in disarray. So uh, we've got a lot of imbalances going on. we can talk about that later, but um Testosterone is just one piece of the puzzle. So the answer to that is no. But um, progesterone is another hormone that can cause a dip in libido. So researchers have consistently found that estrogen can increase libido and progesterone can kind of put a damper on it. And as we talked about, this makes sense from a biological standpoint because our bodies aren't trying to get us pregnant in our luteal phase, which is before our period comes. Um, so those are kind of the three, the three big hormones. Another one is uh, cortisol. And we talked about stress. stress or I, 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 I went to talk about stress. Stress is huge in this whole, you know, libido puzzle. Um, and cortisol is our stress hormone. When cortisol is elevated, uh, you're, you're not going to want to prioritize that. Um, you're going to go into fight or flight. You're going to be focusing on how do I keep myself alive? It's kind of a survival mode situation. So stress can absolutely hinder uh, libido. So that's another hormone involved in that process. Something that a lot of uh, us deal with stress (laughs) (laughs) and are still figuring out ways to manage that. But while we're on the topic of stress and libido, I mean, what are, what are some general tips that you usually kind of 
talk to your clients about, about, you know, ways to kind of combat that. And I know you do like specialty tests too, that are like actually looking at your cortisol levels. And so what do you, um, you know, what do you guys work on to help bring that down? Yeah, good question. I wish there was a magic pill or like one <laughs> food I could tell you eat this and your cortisol is just going to be like list out. Yeah, exactly on point. But no. Um, so it's cortisol is one of those difficult things to kind of move the needle on because we can't just remove stress from our lives, right? Mm-hmm. We have to, if, if work is a form of, is, is a source of stress, we can't just all as lovely as it would be. We can't just, you know, quit our jobs and go drink daiquiris on the beach. That sounds great. I'll, like, I want to sign up for that, but some of us still have to work. So what we have to do is work on how our body is responding and adapting to stressors. So what I like to do in my practice is really help clients to create a consistent self-care routine. Consistency is really key, you know, because any of it, we could all go get, you know, a, a pedicure once a month. And that's great. That's all fine and dandy. But it's really about what we're doing on, the, on, the, on a daily basis that can really make the biggest difference. So whether, you know, whether that's setting aside 30 minutes in the morning to do some deep breathing or some journaling or taking a hot bath in the evening, taking a walk outside, getting some sunshine, whatever it is, it's trying to get that in on a daily basis and create that routine is really, really important when it comes to stress and trying to, you know, whatever it is that you can do to delegate or take things off of your plate and try to protect your energy. Um, there are, of course, things like adaptogens, different herbs, you know, that can be helpful there. But um, I would say the biggest piece of the puzzle is to take a look at what kind of stress reduction and self-care routine that you have in place. If you don't have one, it's time to prioritize that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get clients sometimes that are like, mm-hmm. oh, like it, it's just so new to them. I mean, it's not something that they were, you know, brought up on, you know, because generations before they were kind of so a lot true. of our parents were in survival mode. I can talk about like my you know, my parents in survival mode and trying to just mm-hmm. do what they can, uh, you know, take care of us. And so, um, you know, I have some clients that are like, I don't like, how do I do that? I don't, I don't even like feel like I deserve that, you know? And so anyways, mm-hmm. um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I find that, you know, coming up with a self-care routine is a challenge for a lot of people, but yeah, you know, when it comes mm-hmm. to stress management, I think, you know, we deserve it. I think we work so hard, um, you mm-hmm. know, just balancing so much and having just all the responsibilities. Um, and, you know, last year I, I just started adding, or I added, um, you know, deep breathing to my, my calendar. And so every day at 12, PM, I don't have a client. <laughs> I take uh-huh. a, I, well, I try on most days I try to do deep yeah. breathing. I never knew Amazing. how much deep breathing would help me so much. And it's so underrated. Deep breathing is literally like the best. Anyway, and it's free <laughs> and it's free. Yeah. I love it. Yes. I definitely feel so much better. Like on those super mm-hmm. stressful days where I'm like interviewing yes. and like trying to turn in all these media things and writing blog posts and you know, all the things that I'm just like, okay, all the things. like a couple mm-hmm. minutes to just, <gasps> and it feels, it feels so good. Anyway, I love that you shared, um, shared that because stress does just does not do wonders for our bodies and hormones. Yeah. Hormones, it, it does affect pretty much everything, um, everything. you know, in our body. Exactly. So it's, it's so crazy. true. What do you do, Corey? I even know, 
Yeah. Well, I was going to say, even though it sounds small, you know, I do, I started waking up an hour early in the morning and doing Ew. some journaling. So the, I, I have my tea, I light a candle, I get my journal out. It's called, um, can I cuss on here or no? Girl, do what you got to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's called Zen as fuck. And I really okay. recommend it. It's a really great journal. Um, and I'm working through that right now, but I just needed some, some mommy me time in the morning, you know what I mean? Mm. So that even though these things, sound, they sound small, it, and, and everything we're talking about health, small changes add up. So even if it's small, and I, I do have, um, I, I have like a little bathroom sanctuary and everyone was like, why are you spending money remodeling, you know, your bathroom? Like you barely spend any time in there. I'm like, I spend a lot of time in there actually. I get ready, shower. <laughs> so I, I have like a little bathtub and I put plants and I have my nightly little bath and that it's just, I look forward to that time. And it's small, but it makes a big impact on my ability to respond to stressors, you know, throughout the, throughout the week. Uh, we, we gotta, we gotta get into the, the flow of it. But when you said you wake up early, an hour early, what time are you waking up? I'm just curious. So I, I was waking up at six, but my partner has to leave the house. So he's usually up by like five thirty. So he, uh, yeah, so he's up by 530. That means kind of like I'm up at 530. Um, but then it gives me time to like make breakfast and kind of step, it, it, it kind of separates my day from going, you know, straight from waking up to going into mommy mode to going into work mode. I mean, those are like, like two jobs, right. basically. And there's like, I, I need a break. So I'm a life. yeah, that transition period, what my therapist calls it is you need some transition periods. And I was like, Oh, that's a good. Con- I like that concept. So I've been trying to do that. And it's been super, super helpful. So that's the stage for my day. Honestly, if I didn't so do that, glad. it's like a whirlwind. Yeah. yeah. So you got to find what's yeah. going to work out for you. It's going to be different for exactly. all of us, but you, you work with, you know, women, um, with PCOS. Yeah. And so I'm sure you get a bunch of questions about, um, low libido. You shared, a tiny situation or just, uh, you know, something that you've seen with one of your clients. So do you see it often? And what do you usually, you know, tell your clients who are dealing with this? Yeah. So with libido issues, um, we can go over some strategies. So the, the first one we've already covered just now, really taking a look at your, your stress, your burnout. How are you, do you feel burnout? Do you feel irritable? Do you feel moody? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you never get any you time? Take, take a look at that and seriously prioritize that if that's on your plate, because stress never sets the stage for feeling, feeling sexy in the mood. Never. Um, communicating with your partner, you know, both in and out of the bedroom, sex can kind of be the bridge, you know, between the physical and the emotional and a really solid foundation can, you know, keep you into each other. So if you've been in a relationship long-term, as we, as most of know, the, the, the spark can fade and that's totally normal, but really staying intentional in your communication with your partner. So staying curious about the other person, um, can, you know, making sure you carve out some time for just you two. So, um, so with novelty, super important because new experiences can help your hypothalamus pump out a brain chemical called dopamine in anticipation of some kind of outcome. So how do you get a good dopamine surge when you need it? Try new things with your partner. So, you know, when I, and when I say stay curious, you know, make sure that you're continuously thinking about new date ideas, even if you've been with that person for a billion years, you know, every time you try a new activity or you go a new place, you know, we all have experienced that when we travel with our partner, right? You get this hit of dopamine and that sends signals to your brain that this is a motivationally significant event. 
you form what's called an adaptive memory and you have this motivation to kind of keep repeating that scenario again. So new experiences don't have to be fancy and extravagant. We don't have to go book, you know, a trip to Paris or, you know. You can if you want to, though. You <laughs> can if you want to. Actually, you can, you should. But if you're, I'm going you to Greece. Go from, okay. Yeah. Santorini. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. I'm going to, I'll Instagram you from uh, Hawaii. So um, you should definitely, you know, throw vacays in there um, and date nights. But also think about, you know, free things, hiking, taking a bath together you could do different activities they have like um I love the like paint and sip parties I don't know if you've done one of those oh they're so fun so fun so fun um go to a new park you know take an art class try a new restaurant it it sounds simple but honestly that novelty continuously prioritizing that goes a really long way in helping to keep that spike spike spark ignited um And when we're talking about in the bedroom, if you are feeling like you need to kind of switch it on up, there are lots of new things, lots of new things you can do. There's different positions, there's different locations. There are plenty of things out there that, you know, especially if you've been with your partner for for a long time and you guys are kind of seeking that novelty that you can, uh, you can kind of add into the bedroom. Um, Maca is something that um, I will give sometimes. It's like a, it's a root vegetable. It grows mainly in Peru. It's related to different cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower. And so research shows that it may boost libido um, in both men and women. So you can get it powdered, but you can add it to like a protein shake or a you know, smoothie, but you can also take it as a supplement too. So that can be potentially helpful. Um, when we're talking about body confidence, um, a body gratitude practice really important. We've all heard of gratitude practices, but this one's specifically focused on your physical body. So it's really about kind of becoming, you know, getting more in tune with the pieces, the parts and uh, of your body that you really appreciate and love and kind of uniting them to really work on body acceptance and loving your body regardless, despite our flaws. Nobody's perfect. Even if all the things we see on Instagram and TikTok and make it seem like that. So finding gratitude, you know, for a normal, flawed human body is is difficult. It's a challenge and it takes practice. So um, there's all kinds of stuff you can check out on body gratitude practices, but I really like that too. Um, Exercise. Studies consistently show that exercise equals higher sex drive and better sexual function. We've got our blood pumping. um, It does increase body confidence. um, It slashes stress. So if you're exercising regularly, you're going to feel better overall. It's got you know, benefits for your heart health, mood, all kinds of things. So all of those are connected to, uh, to libido. Working on energy levels, so getting good sleep, make sure you're prioritizing, try to get at least eight hours of sleep every night. And that's not to be, you know, interrupted sleep where you're tossing and turning all night and you're waking up like, oh my God, it feels like I got hit by a Sunday drug. It's really good, high quality sleep. Um, so if you have to invest in a new pillow or a new mattress, um, you know, do it. Take the, as far as your bedroom, set the stage for a good sex life. So setting the stage um, for, for good sex in the bedroom is important. Um, you know, put a lock on your door um, so little gremlins can't jump in there. Um, keep the pet out of your bed. Uh, take the TV out of your bedroom. If you guys are finding that you're just in this comfortable routine of, you know, jumping into bed and watching Netflix until you fall asleep and that's fine. I'm not, that's, that's totally fine. But if you're finding that that's impacting your sex life, sex life negatively, remove that. And, you know, the bed becomes something to sleep and have sex in and that's it. Not to, 
watch Netflix in. So think about that, light some candles, get good lighting. Um, there's some research about vitamin D. Um, mm. Vitamin D deficiency can cause lower estrogen levels in women, which as we know, can result in lower libido. Um, and it also can have the same impact on men only in testosterone. So mm. try to, you know, get good your vitamin know. D levels checked. Yeah, make sure they're good to go. You can supplement, you can try to get some sunshine during the day, you can add more salmon and eggs with the yolk um, to your diet for more vitamin T, vitamin D. Uh, lubricants, that's, that's always important. If you find that you want to use that, yes, exactly. Keep it slippery. Um, <laughs> so there's that. And then you can always consult, you know, there's professionals who do, do this. That's what they specialize in. And they're sex therapists. Um, you can also, if you find that the, you know, libido is very connected to your relationship, couple therapy, always a good idea. Even if you have the full perfect relationship, there's always things you can improve on. Um, and I have book recommendations too, that I can give to you if you want to share those in the show notes. Um, yeah. Some of those. So hopefully that's helpful. Just a couple, um, you know, strategies to think about when it comes to sex drive. Very helpful tips, Corey. Thank you. And I love yeah. the, I love the body like gratitude, um, mm-hmm. that you shared. I think that's really, really awesome. Cause I think it yes. all comes down to, you know, how you feel and your confidence levels, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to your sex drive. So thank you for sharing those totally. amazing, amazing tips, yes. but you know, I wanted to switch gears just a little bit. I mean, I've seen yeah. tons of Uh, or tons of studies on, you know, the effects of birth control or hormonal Mm -hmm. birth control on sexual function. I've seen some that, you know, found some form, they have no impact on sexual functioning. And I've heard, you know, you know, other women experienced, um, you know, either lack of interest in sex, or I've Mm -hmm. also heard that women on birth control pills are more likely to experience decreased libido, arousal and pleasure. What's, what are your thoughts around um, birth control and um, libido? Yeah. Yes. So just like you said, we have research um, confirming, you know, both sides, it, it enhances, it decreases, or there's no change. So, you know, essentially with hormonal birth control, you're replacing your natural sex hormones with synthetic ones. So we, we can only imagine that since hormones are tied to libido, there might be some changes. So I think we're, you know, we're all really different. I have found in my experience, um, Certain birth controls that I've tried, I swear I've tried every single one in the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, there are some that really impacted my, my libido negatively. Um, so I think I just encourage anyone who, who's taking birth control to just track your libido month to month and, and note down any, note any changes. If you find that um, if your, your libido is just like in the, in the toilet, it might, if you're comfortable and able to, you know, to try an alternative method like, you know, BBT or cycle tracking, you, you know, I might encourage you to do that and see if it, see if it has an effect on your, on your libido. Um, antidepressants, we have more research on, um, you know, kind of libido effects there. So we have more research confirming that things like SSRIs can negatively impact libido. So there's that taking yeah. notes. <laughs> yes. So, exactly. um, yeah, you know, I guess let's jump right into, uh, aphrodisiac foods. I've seen you recently post about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so what are they and what do they do? Mm-hmm. So aphrodisiacs, um, are foods that potentially have the ability to increase our sex drive. So you oh, know, it would be okay. so nice. I know, right? If I wouldn't it be nice if I could just like tell you go let lunch on one handful of um, 
dark chocolate covered cashews and boom, you will be in the mood going to the store and getting that right now. Right. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I gotta go. Sorry. It's nice to, nice to be on here. Um, so unfortunately, much like everything in our field, you know, our libido is more complex than that. But if you look hard enough, you can find an authority for almost any full belief about the sexually stimulating properties of blank, blank, blank. So the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, has determined all of these non-medical, you know, medicinal approaches to boosting sex drive are ineffective, but we're always, you know, we're still in search of the perfect kind of, you know, catalyst for, for arousal. So many of the foods that are considered aphrodisiacs, like oysters, dark chocolate. Oh yeah, I always hear about oysters. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, even okra, there's all kinds of stuff. They do contain many nutrients that can be helpful to hormone balance and mood and relaxation. So I'm not going to tell you to avoid them, but are they my number one recommendation for boosting your sex drive? No. Um, but let's, well, let me introduce you to, you know, a few kind of potential players. So oysters, high in zinc, um, saffron, if you, know, if you ever cook with that. That can be particularly helpful, may be particularly helpful in those taking antidepressants, which we talked about, can be sort of um, not so great for sex drive. Uh, pistachios, those may stimulate better blood flow. So really good choice for men um, and ED. Hot chilies, that capsaicin can increase your heart rate. Okra, really rich in magnesium, which is relaxing. So those are kind of some, some that we have, you know, some, some decent research on, but I think more research is needed. And again, not my first line of treatment here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've also heard about, I've definitely heard about red wine. Red wine is something I've, I've heard about. Red, um, red wine. <laughs> gotta have your wine. Definitely. You see my gotta have it here. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's empty. You already have it. <laughs> No, I've, it's, I've it's heard only it. two forty here. So you're well, you know, it's a hey, it's five it's five p.m. or five p.m. on my end. So you already know. You okay, it's, you're good. We're mm-hmm. we're all good over good here time. on my side. <laughs> I've heard about <laughs> avocado too. I've heard um, definitely dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that. I'm yes. wondering. Okay, so I know you said it, it's you know there's just a bunch of nutrients in there that impact mood and all the things that maybe impact mm-hmm. hormones and can you know therefore impact your sex drive and so right. i'm wondering too is that is this like also like a psych psychological thing too i don't know mm-hmm. like the oysters right. thing you know i always wonder yeah you know it could be it could be and with something like and you know oysters or dark chocolate or red wine they're all kind of like luxurious things right yeah. you know we're not like right. snacking on them at like 12 p.m when we're in the middle of a busy work day I mean <laughs> don't judge a girl as she is but she might be she might be on vacation doing that exactly <laughs> for sure in Paris <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes so um so I think there's that like kind of you know sexy sexiness appeal to that um and oysters you know you you if you love oysters and you agree, if you don't, then you probably are like you, but they can be like a fancy kind of, you know, a treat kind of thing. So maybe there's that too. Yeah. Knowledge is power. So it's good to, you know, equip yourself with, with all the tools that you possibly can to get through each phase of life. It's all different. And we're, we all have our own issues going on. Some of us struggle more with libido and that's totally fine. We all have something going on. So um, if that, you know, if, if all of this speaks to you, I, I recommend, you know, if, if you're, you know, with libido too, it's like, what is a normal sex drive? It, libido is just on a spectrum. It's only a problem 
if it's impacting you, if, if you feel it's a problem. So there's no, you know, and then I, Hollywood and all this stuff, you know, with, you know, <laughs> sex drivers, it's ridiculous. Oh, don't even get started. Yeah. But it's only a problem if you feel it's a problem. And if it's right. maybe impacting you and your maybe your relationship negatively, and that's a time to just explore. And you could talk to your OBGYN. You could find a dietitian who might specialize in more of that. You might find a sex therapist. You might find an MFT or somebody who could kind of work in more in couples counseling in a relationship arena. You might find a pelvic floor therapist. Maybe there's something physical going on. You might find an acupuncturist, a massage therapist. If you figure, if you feel like stress is really playing a big role, there's all kinds of, of tools available for you. And I just, I don't want anyone to feel alone or isolated or frustrated with any of this because it can really be a, a big part of many of our lives. So if you feel frustrated, if you feel stuck, there's lots of people out there and they can all form this kind of team, you know, to help you out. So if that includes several of the, the types of professions that I just mentioned, that's great. Build your team and, and do some exploring because there's always improvements that we can make. I love that you mentioned, you know, focus on you, like what feels yeah. different to you and, and seek help because yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I always wondered, like, I've heard people say, yeah, I have, I have like a really high sex drive or, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. what is the normal sex drive? Like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes. So, yeah. You know, only no focus marker. on our, on ourselves and, you know, seek the help that right. we need. So Corey, I loved this. You shared so yeah, much information. I'm, I'm so excited. I know the listeners are too taking the yeah. notes and yeah. <laughs> Any last words for the people on libido? Yes. Just kind of what I, what I said earlier about finding your team, you know, don't feel alone in this struggle. A lot of women deal with this. A lot of men deal with this too. We're not alone. So um, find your tribe, find your team and do as much investigating as you can to get to know your body and kind of get to the root and things can definitely improve if you do a little bit exploring, do a little digging and find someone to, to help you. Wonderful. And we ask all mm. of our guests who come onto the Flourish Heights podcast, um, this question. So Corey, <gasps> how, yeah. how do you flourish? How do you flourish? Oh, that's a good question. Let me think. I think I have an answer. I like to keep my life spontaneous. So I'm a planner in, in, you know, in very many aspects of my life, work-wise, I have to know exactly what's going on in my calendar, but personal life, I really like to keep things spontaneous. If I decide that I'm going to take this day off next week and I'm going to go take my daughter on a hike and we're going to go have lunch and it's going to take us three hours to drive there or okay, I wouldn't actually do that. Maybe 30 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> but I like to be spontaneous. That's what kind of keeps me, keeps me going. And, um, that unpredictable nature of my personal life, I find is really actually grounding because my work life can be very regimented and structured. So I don't know, I guess that's how I flourish. Spontaneity, curiosity, having fun. <laughs> Keep it fun. Corey always keeps it yeah. fun. That's why we had to have her on here and we can't thank you enough. You are okay. awesome. Y'all need to follow her me. at the woman's dietitian on Instagram. I promise thank you, you'll you. find such good information, evidence-based. She keeps it real. That's one thing. I was like, I have to have her on here because she's going to just keep it real. Corey, thank you so much. And you yeah. are awesome. And I hope to bring you back on to, you know, a future episode. Would love to, would love to. I know, I feel like I could talk for so long about this subject, but <laughs> in the interest of time, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's been super fun chatting with you and I can't wait um, to listen to this and share it. Yeah, thank you. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, support the Flourish Heights podcast by leaving a rating, writing a review, or just sharing with a friend. I would really, really appreciate that because it goes a long way. Well, thanks for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And until next time, keep flourishing. Thank you.